0: Well, good afternoon, Lake Norman, and welcome to Town Talk. We're coming to you live from WSIC, the Real Talk studio, nestled on the banks of beautiful Lake Norman, streaming worldwide from Paris, France, to Irmo, South Carolina. I'm Bill Russell, your host. I'm the president of Lake, uh, chamber, Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, the largest chamber of commerce in the, in the greater Charlotte region. This is a program where we discuss topics that are impacting your business, your friends, your families, your neighbor, from your business and your neighborhood to mine. My guests today are Elise Dashu, She's a chair of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education. Melissa Easley, she's also on the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education District 1. And Dr. Crystal Hill, she's the new superintendent of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. But before we actually get into our focus on education, uh, Bill on the boards, he's my producer. Bill, an exciting thing coming up tomorrow at noon at DBAT Batting Facility. I mean, I
1: can't believe the day has arrived.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, tomorrow uh, we are squaring off with the station owner, general manager, uh, Justin. He, uh, he made a comment here in the studio one day that baseball was boring. Matter of fact, I think he said it again uh, one today. Day. Yeah, one day. I Why? think he actually Every said Every morning, yeah. He said it, and, and, and he said, you just stand out in the uh, outfield, and you could eat snow cones. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he was dissing baseball, America's pastime. So I actually challenged him uh, to a hitting competition at Bat Batting Facility in Huntersville. The runner-up, or the loser, of the batting competition We'll be washing dishes at the Angels and Sparrows Community Kitchen, so that's coming up tomorrow at noon. Either one, y'all baseball fans? I think I, you're.
2: I am. I am a, a born and raised Chicagoan, so by you know my kind of town, we had two teams. One is great, one is not so great. Um, my team, the White Sox. You know, born and raised. Um, you know, we we don't talk about the other team. You know, that those Cubs over there. We don't we don't talk about that <laughs> North Side. We take the South Side. Uh, my husband grew up so sort of close to St. Louis, and so he's a Cardinals fan, and so we were always watching baseball growing up. Like That was one of the things I did. And,
0: Elise, you said your husband liked baseball.
1: Mm, well, no, but I'm a washing dishes fan. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my husband likes baseball. Oh, your husband likes baseball. Yes. Okay, that's what it was. Does yes. he follow a particular team?
3: Yeah, but I don't know what it is. He actually <laughs> tried out for a minor league. Actually, oh wow, yeah, okay. I found that out after we were married for about five years. Sounds right. like you have a ringer,
0: Bill. Uh, I uh, mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I should bring. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge um, Yank. My dad was a Yankees fan, so I pull for the Yankees, but also pull for the Braves. So those are, those are the two teams that I, I pull for locally. And last week we had two. Uh, teams in here that were the state championship teams for Huntersville they uh, won the uh, Little League Baseball championship eight eight to ten year olds and two Aww. two state championship teams wow. from the same town so that's that was, amazing. That, that was really cool. That's awesome. Um, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-STUDIO-4 is our number. We're going to be talking about education. We're going to get to, uh, the bond package that we have in the next segment. We have a $2.5 million bond package up, uh, on Monday night, the board of directors of the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce voted to support that bond package. And we're going to get into the particulars of that. But first I want to talk about you, Crystal, uh, we had, an, uh, we had a superintendent search. We created a uh, committee that mm-hmm. did a national search. Matter of fact, they came to the Chamber of Commerce. Melissa, you were there, and mm-hmm. we got uh, support. Uh, or we were asking some of the community members, the elected officials, the business people, uh, what they were looking for in terms of a superintendent, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of took that feedback and brought it back to the CMS board. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Crystal, you were hired in May. Yes, that's uh, correct. My question... Uh, uh, first to Elise, uh, when did you know that you had your superintendent, and what what was the qualities that you saw that you said, that's her, that's what th- we want that one.
1: So we were very blessed to have a really rich pool in this um, in in this uh, search, and there there's a ton of sur- superintendent turnover in the country right now. It is a tough tough job, and the pandemic made it a lot harder, um, and yet. We were one of the hottest searches in the country for whatever reason. We had 19 sitting superintendents of some very successful large urban districts apply for the job. Um, our search profile was written with. Um, feedback from groups like you guys as far as what the community was looking for what are the community's values what are they looking for in their school district um, and we use that to put together a profile and um, tied that pro- the, pro- the search was very much driven by data like what is it going to take to for um, to bring our students from where they are today to being potentially the greatest in the nation um, and so we were looking for superintendents that had the track record that could show that they could close gaps and increase academic performance at a dramatic rate Um, and it was a very very tough choice it was a very tough choice Um, and when you really sorted out all the data we had one candidate who very clearly was the right match for what um, the community was looking for and that was dr crystal hill and thank goodness she said yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) and melissa you were our representative for district one Uh, when did you know that this was, this was the one I'm getting behind?
2: Well, I'm going to kind of echo what, uh, Chair Dashu said is that, you know, we had a really rich background, but honestly, um, it was some of the things that Crystal said in her interview that really struck me. And as a former educator and an educator in CMS, you know, I spent a decade in CMS, um, some of the things that she said that she wanted to do and that she wanted to change the culture and she, um you know, things that she had already thought of being our interim and being our chief of staff, she so already saw that she could do, um, really inspired me. Um, and wanting to change the culture for teachers and wanting to understood what I meant when I said, you know, the culture of teaching has to change and we need someone that can lead that culture of teaching because we want our teachers to not only be, you know, here, but we want them to want to be here. And so there were several things that she said that just that just clicked for me and also said several things that I think I told her before that I used to say as a teacher and so it was kind of like oh well I guess somebody else says that okay well kind of cool so um it was really I, I'm really excited I was thrilled to um you know have that vote to vote her in. I was thrilled to hear her her views and her visions of what CMS could possibly be and I look forward to many years with her.
0: Dr. Hill, we have the, I think, the second largest district in the state and the 17th largest in the country. Um, I was sharing with Elise. I got here in 1996 and Dr. Eric Smith was our superintendent. And during that time, there has been eight superintendents, including you, three interims. Uh, Hugh did that twice, so um, but uh, a lot of churn sometimes in our leadership. Uh, It was something that we had 19 other candidates uh, across the country looking at. You were already on board as the chief of staff. Why did you want to lead Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools?
3: Well, I didn't know that I wanted to. (laughs) In fact, when I came to Charlotte, I was looking to leave public education. I had applied for multiple jobs and actually just came to Charlotte because I needed to do something different. And so after I got here, really excited to work with Hugh. He was amazing to work with. And then when I found out that he was leaving and there was time, you know, somebody needed to step up to be the interim, I really was invested in the work that we were doing here. So I stepped up. Even at that time, I was thinking in my head, I wonder who's going to do this. I know it's going to be I would have to be serving the next superintendent, which is why I took the role as interim so seriously, because I wanted to do the right thing. And then after I got in it, I thought, I kind of like this job, and I kind of like these nine people that I'm working with. <laughs> and um, But I went back and forth and read the profile and thought, I think I can do this. I think I'm going to go for it. And I decided at the very last minute, looked at my husband and my girls, about 2 a.m. the day it was
0: due, hit submit. Well, we're we're excited to have you. Uh, when we come back we're gonna talk about the bond package and the specifics for North Beckleberg. So come back with us on Town Talk and just a minute on W S I C. Those of you who are with us streaming on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter or which which is now X, you know, I, I don't know that I'm really comfortable now with with the name. It's it's kinda like Prince, when he Prince came out and he had a symbol known as <laughs> you know it, well, uh, how do you pronounce the symbol thing I, you know now it's
1: X
2: it's so I noticed awkward. that all of the publications have X comma formerly known as Twitter comma <laughs> what do you say I'm I'm, I, I'm tweeting or I'm Xing I'm Xing I am x-ing. xing i guess. it doesn't sound right
0: <laughs> Well anyway we're streaming live on X as well but uh, and on the WSIC uh Uh, uh, website, channel. So those of you who are with us, uh, thank you for joining us. I want to remind people that on Tuesday, October the 10th, we have our Chambers Business Expo. It is the largest business-to-business trade show in the Charlotte region. Uh, We'll have it at the Huntersville Recreation Center. It's going to be 11 o'clock to 5 o'clock. It's Lake Norman's show-and-tell. I got a lot in trouble when I was in grade school with with show-and-tell because we had a show-and-tell like in second or third grade. And my mother had made this baby book, and she she had all of my stuff in it, all my pictures, locks of hair and everything. And when they said for show and tell you could bring out somebody or something for show mm-hmm. and tell, I brought me. So I, I took all <laughs> the stuff out of the baby book, and Aww. I took it to the thing, and they didn't get back in the baby book. And my mother was not ever really happy oh, about that. No, but it is Lake Norman's show and tell. We got that coming up Tuesday, October the 10th. Uh, we're gonna have a presence uh, by Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, but we're gonna have a booth there. To promote the bond package and it, really informational, people can stop by, find out a little bit about more about what's Anything going on. From
1: CMS, will be informational. Well,
0: there you go. <laughs> That's right. You guys can't endorse or support the bonds, but uh, you'll have information about the bonds. Yes, yeah.
1: And the board and we, Melissa and I, can. We can promote. We can endorse. And we're working with the Regional Business Alliance mm-hmm. um, as well as with you guys. They've been all. They've also been very supportive, and so um, they've put together a great team of volunteers to help get the word out, too.
0: We also have the candidate forums taking place up here. Uh, so two days after the expo, October the 12th, Town of Cornelius, we're going to have a forum from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at the Cornelius Town Hall. And uh, Jessica zeppis who is the station owner uh, and manager here, he is going to be our MC of that particular event. Uh, we're going back live at about 10 seconds, so all of you who are streaming with us, uh, we're going back live on Town Talk. <music> Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host Bill Russell. My guest today are Elise she is the chair of the Mecklenburg Board of Education, Melissa Easley, who is on the Board of Education, District Run re- representing us here in North Mecklenburg, Crystal Hill, the new superintendent of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, and Dennis Licaria is actually here as well. He's from Charlotte Mecklenburg, and he'll be able schools to be able to answer some specific questions. Okay, we're going to talk about the bond package. <clears throat> Again, 2.5 million dollars, or just just south of that, uh, on the on the bonds for this fall. Uh, North Mecklenburg. What schools are we getting in North Mecklenburg?
1: You all are getting a lot of schools in this package, um, and it's 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 long overdue. Um, so you have North Meck. Built, as you, I'm sure your your readers, your listeners don't need to hear this, but built in 1951 when Harry Truman was president, um, due to be replaced. So you will get a brand new high school, new state-of-the-art athletic facilities, all the latest security features. Um, so that's the big one. But also Cornelius Elementary is um, very due for a replacement, so that's gonna be replaced. Huntersville Elementary will be replaced. And Bailey Middle School has, um, it's one of the bigger middle schools in the state, quite overcrowded, so we're we're building, we're gonna be able to build a relief middle school to relieve Bailey Middle, which will also take some pressure off of Davidson.
0: Uh, question, uh, and without getting too complicated, how do you replace a school like Cornelius Elementary, North Mecklenburg High School, Huntersville Elementary, without displacing the students or impacting the the ongoing education of the students there?
1: Very carefully. The logistics are mind-boggling, and we're really good at doing that. So we did it, we just did it with West Charlotte um, in the last bond cycle, Um, same sort of a situation where you build the new high school on the other side of the property, and then you take down the old high school, and then you put in the parking and all the you know all the other stuff once the old high school comes down um, but it is the the logistics have to be very carefully planned because you're trying to do it you you can't be disrupting the academic year while you're doing it and so you can't be building things and tearing things down while kids are in the classroom so um, scheduling is um, complex to a degree that I think the layperson would just, be amazed at if they could see what goes into it we
0: we were talking in the last segment uh the baseball competition so uh, athletics is almost as important to me as academics uh, i'm assuming though when you're talking about taking part of the property that the school sits on that has to impact maybe the athletic program because that might is that is that taking away from the parking is it taking away from the ball fields when you when you build on the property
1: Well, ultimately, it um, it will be a vast improvement to the athletic facilities. Um, um, And I know that what we saw with West Charlotte, um, the facilities were done when the school was ready to open, but we did not have room for everybody to park safely for their first football season. So their first year of being in the new school they did play football games away that first year, and then over the summer, they were able to finish out, take down the old building, build out the parking, and then there was room. And so this is the first year that they've been able to have those glorious homecoming football games on campus. So it might might be something like that with North Mac that first year. You know,
0: Dennis, I know something that you said Um in, in the presentation you did for us on, on YouTube, was the, the safety of the students. And it is so much different uh, in school than when I went to school. Uh, I started in 1966, you know, in, in grade school. Uh, and there was never a thought to safety. I mean, that just wasn't something coming up. Maybe that came up.
1: nuclear fallout shelters or the Maybe. nuclear drills Ex- exactly. under the desks.
0: Yeah, and then in 1977 is when I graduated from high school. So again, we didn't have some of the concerns that we have in 2023. Now there are vast uh, protocols, procedures mm-hmm. to, you know, you just don't walk through the front door anymore of any school. Talk about uh, the, the safety features being built into these schools.
1: Do you want me to take that? or I can do it. Whoever. We, can we, do it. Go ahead. we just did
2: this. Um, so there'll be a lot of things that are going on. We're getting state-of-the-art cameras. Um, one of the big things that we keep, um, you know, we're mentioning is these vestibules. So when a parent gets, you know, every one that comes to the front it has to get buzzed in. You know, nobody can just open the door and walk in. But when you get buzzed in, you're gonna to go to this vestibule. And this vestibule will have, you know, glass, and someone will, you know, be on the other side of glass, and you can, hey, I'm dropping my lunch off, or I'm meeting with this person, and if you're just dropping your lunch off, you send it through, and, and then you go out the door. You never actually step foot in the school. So um, we're doing things like that. We're making sure that all of our buildings lock from the outside. Right now, if you're a teacher in CMS, you have a badge, and your badge opens your outside doors. And so we'll continue with that. We'll be having state-of-the-art cameras and security systems, um, and um, you know as much as we can to keep our, our kids safe. Um, big thing about North Meck is that right now it's an open campus, and that was a big thing in the in the 70s and 80s, is you wanted this college feel, this open campus, you know, being outside. And we can no longer do that, making sure our kids are safe. So North Mac will be one building, so that once you're in the building, you are in the building, and you are surrounded by all the safety protocols. I know
0: when you're building new schools or making improvements to existing schools, there's things you can build in. Uh, what what procedures are taking place to protect the kids today in some of the older schools, Dr. Hill?
3: Well, one of the things that Ms. Um, easily mentioned is an upgrade to our camera system. That's one of the things that we've um, taken in consideration. Um, in some of our schools, we've also added those safety vestibules that um, that Melissa spoke about. And then also the card access reader in order to get in and out. The other thing that we've done is just coordinated real closely with some of our schools that currently have those open camp- campuses until we get them fixed, like North Mec safety protocols that we can do just to make sure that our kids are safe um, since they are traveling
0: back and forth between buildings. You know, I, I know another thing that uh, has to weigh on your mind is uh, is the older schools when I was growing up. And by the way, Charlie Jeter just texted me and said, 1977, uh, I'm old. Um, I, I would remind Charlie he's just about as old as I am. So he's I right there I was born with me. in
2: 1977. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Okay, maybe I, I am quiet. old.
0: All right, all right. There, I admit that. Um, but one of the things that I remember was the, the two years that I didn't really do good in school was uh, in fourth grade, we went to West End School, which was an old school. Matter of fact, it had the boilers and the and the pipes that claimed, you know, all, all the, it, it was just an old school. And then uh, Sullivan Junior High was actually the former Rock Hill High School that my grandfather had gone to. And so it was a really worn down school. And those two years, I really didn't do well. So sometimes your environment can breed uh, whether or not you're going to be successful uh, in school. Can you speak to that?
3: Sure. Um I could speak to the HVAC issues, right? If Mm -hmm. you're extremely hot and you're sweaty, you can't learn very well. If you have a um, blower over your head, you know, it's really noisy. You can't hear very well. We have schools that flood. The other thing um, in a lot of our schools, it was that open classroom concept. So you have the particle boards that now are partitioned. So you have the sound issues going back and forth. So there's lots of things that impact um, student and learning. Um, Lack of daylight is huge, right? So if you're in a classroom where there's not um, any daylight or you're in a closet, things like that, it's just very difficult to to teach and also difficult to learn. So we definitely want to enhance the teaching and learning environment.
1: And she did say, if you're in a closet, like in some of our schools (laughs) that are really crowded, we've turned closets into teaching and learning spaces. Sure.
2: And I can, you know, as a teacher, I was a science social studies teacher. So we were always the internal classrooms because we had the sinks and things like that. From like November to January, I don't think I ever saw daylight because we had no windows. There were no outside doors. And by the time I got to school, it was still dark. And by the time I left school, it was dark again. So, I mean, that that really affected, especially when you're trying to teach weather. Well, look outside. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Okay, let's go down the <laughs> stairs and let's go look outside and let's see what kind of things we're doing. So I'm really excited that environment was really taken into account on this bond and the environment of our schools you know you mentioned boiler rooms and bomb shelters and we have schools in cms that have that Uh that are on this bond to be replaced for those reasons um you know we have schools where our teachers have to wear microphones because the hvac system is so loud that our kids can't hear and so i'm really really excited as a former educator that this environment was really taken into account and we're really looking at how to improve the environment of our schools.
0: Um, I know that there is a website that people can go to for information specifically on the bond campaign. Uh, where can we direct people to, to look?
1: So for anyone who wants to get involved and help volunteer and get a yard sign and all of that sort of thing, it's voteyesforbonds.com. Um, and then also on the CMS website, we have a huge amount of information. So we have, um, the, first of all, if anybody wants to see every single detail about the previous bond, like if you want to hold us accountable for how we are spending those precious taxpayer dollars, which I encourage everybody to hold us accountable for, go to CMSBondConstruction.com and there you can see projects down to the hour with their updates on, you know, this school is 80% finished and here are the bulldozers that are driving through the campus today Um, and, you know, every penny that was spent on that. And then the, um, the list of all the projects, you can see site lists of every single school on the 2023 bond and that website is... CharmexSchools.org uh, <laughs> backslash bond. Thank you. At um, least, what
0: are the tax implications uh, for this particular bond to somebody? Uh, uh, all of us living in Mecklenburg County, what's the tax implication for me as a resident?
1: Yeah, there is going to be um, a bit of a tax implication on this one, um, and it is basically... A total of $0.03, cents, an increase in th- of $0.03, cents. and what the county economists, or that's what they have projected, the county, econo- well, the county economists have projected that they will increase taxes by $0.01 cent in 2025, and then again in 2028, and then again in 2029. So if you have a $400,000 house, which is the median price of a house these days, which blows me away, it sounds like a lot of money to me, that would be $40 a year in 2025, another $40 in 2028 another 40 in 2029 20, so it adds up to about 120 so, which is i just want to add that's less than getting two
0: starbucks coffees a month <laughs> it's a pretty good deal yeah or price of a big mac that's uh, right <laughs> there you go there you go uh we're going to go to break in just a little while uh for those of you streaming stay on we're going to be talking about some chamber of commerce activities and those of you out there on radio land please come back to us on town talk at wsic here with charlotte mecklenburg schools We were talking just before we went to break about the candidate forums that we had, and I I said that the Cornelius Forum is going to be October the 12th, uh, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at Cornelius Town Hall. We're going to have the two people running for mayor and the 10 candidates that are running for town board. We're going to have two forums in Huntersville because Huntersville is so special. Uh, No, actually, we have three people running for mayor, 16 people running for town board. So we really had to look at two different forums to be able to get them all in. So we're going to have a forum on the 17th uh, for the town of Huntersville and the 19th, which is uh, on Thursday, for the the balance. What we're going to do is have our three mayoral candidates on that Tuesday with five of the commissioner candidates and then 11 candidates in two different fields uh, on that following Thursday. Again, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at the Huntersville Town Hall. Uh, People have asked, are we going to be streaming that? Is it on Facebook? Absolutely. Uh, WSIC is our partner on that. They will be streaming on their platforms. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on their website. It'll be on Truth. It'll be on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, X, Uh, So we'll have that available for folks to be able to watch. Um, and then, uh, Town of Davidson pretty much called off their elections because they have five people running for town board, five people running for five slots, one person running for mayor. So unless there's a heck of a write-in <laughs> candidate, uh, uh, that, that one's done. So we're going to have a meet and greet at the, uh, Davidson Village Inn on October the 30th. Okay. So it'll be a chance to, for folks to, uh, meet some of their candidates. Um, we'll also have anyone who's running for any other position. Uh, uh, I think we we don't have a school board. We do. We do have at-large, at-large school board. So the at-large candidates could come and uh, introduce themselves, and they would be provided an opportunity to, to say a minute or two about themselves. So um, we'll have that available for them. But that's uh, the... Uh, candidate forums and then on the 19th we're having a public safety luncheon each year for 20 years this is going to be the 20th year of this we recognize the outstanding police and fire officer from the towns of Cornelius, Davidson and Huntersville that have been nominated by their respective departments so we recognize our outstanding police and fire and but also our crime stoppers of the year and uh, that's coming up on October the 19th so a lot going on I'm um, looking forward to you participating in the uh, uh, business expo on mm-hmm. October the 10th. Can't we'll wait. have a we'll have a booth that we hand out information on Charlotte Mecklenburg School of Bond, and um, look forward to that particular thing as well. We have about 30 seconds before we go live. All of you who are streaming with us, uh, thank you for joining us, and we're going to go back and talk a little bit more about the bond campaign. In just a second, thank you for being with us. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm Bill Russell, your host. My guests today are Elise Dashew. She's the chair of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education. Uh, Melissa Easley, she's with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education, District 1, representing us up here in Cornelius Davidson and Huntersville. And Dr. Crystal Hill, superintendent of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, been on board since May in this particular position, uh, but you were the chief of staff before. How long have you been with Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools?
3: A uh, little over a year. I, my first day was May 10th of 2022.
0: And I think you were over in the Cabarrus uh, school system for a while before that, and I think, when weren't you the assistant superintendent?
3: Yes, yeah, so I was the assistant superintendent, and then same position, but uh, title change, chief academic officer in Cabarrus County, and then
0: prior to that, I was right down the road in Mooresville, graded school district. And in that tenure, didn't the academic achievement kind of, wasn't it higher than it had ever been for Cabarrus? Yes,
3: it is. We had our absolute highest academic achievement during the time I was there.
0: Yes. And and what what was the change? What do you think that you, you and the superintendent put in place that made that change?
3: Sure. Well, we had a real strong culture shift, and um, we talked about raising the bar, that everything that we needed to do was about students and raising the bar to make sure that our kids had access to whatever they wanted to do when they graduated. And we knew that we could only do that through clarity of expectations and then taking a real hard look at what we're expected to teach, which is the North Carolina Standard Course of Study, measuring that often, taking a look at it and reviewing it so we can make changes along the way and just saw huge, huge gains.
0: And Crystal, uh, WSIC, we, we air from Statesville down to Huntersville, and I think you also served uh, time in Statesville? I
3: was was in Mooresville, Mooresville Graded School District,
0: yes. And what did you do in the IRL system?
3: I was a principal, actually, principal at Parkview Elementary and Rocky River Elementary, and then I moved on to be the director, executive director of elementary education and federal programs.
0: And how many students were were involved in those schools? Oh, and the the total district
3: was about mm, 15,000 kids, so much smaller
0: than so, Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. So most of your education has been right here in our region?
3: Yes, it okay. has. Yes. And previous to that I was in Guilford County.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, at least going back to the twenty seventeen bond, uh nine hundred and twenty million, that was a bond at our Chamber of Commerce. We we came out in opposition. I think we we were the only organized group in opposition to it, uh, but largely because at that time, I don't think there was hardly any monies coming from North Mecklenburg at that time. Mm-hmm. I think there were some monies for Davidson
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: at that po- point, but uh, not a lot.
1: Yeah, not a lot. That was at that time, I think we had about two billion dollars worth of need throughout the district. And we had the bond that was just under one billion. And so there was so much need that we couldn't meet. Um, and so it's we're always playing catch up. I think um, you know. Even even with this bond, we're hitting 30. We've got 30 projects impacting 35 schools. We had 125 schools on the list. If you look at our whole 10-year capital plan, um, so this was the most that we felt that we could responsibly ask the taxpayers for, but there is a lot more need. So we just, um, we do what we can. We stretch those dollars as far as they will go. Um, And at this point in time, it was, definitely do we were you know the the schools up here were very very due to be replaced or relieved um, and then there are other parts of the county now saying but what about us
0: sure you know I, I was sharing uh before we actually started the program that my role is to carry out the 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 wishes of the board of directors so i and that's you know same same thing with crystal she she answers to the board of directors and i remember when we we're going into that campaign I said, well, either we can, we can vote to support it or we can just not say anything and just abstain from it. Um, and uh, I said, but you don't want to come out in opposition to it because that looks like you're against education. Mm-hmm. And uh, the board said, no, nope, we're going to come out in opposition because we want to send a message. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but that's the stand that they took in 2017. Um But obviously, the voice was heard this time around because we're getting some significant improvements and replacements to our schools. As our board representative, how does that make you feel to know that this time we are getting a a good amount of money coming to North, North Mecklenburg?
2: I'm really excited. Um, you know, when I first got on the board, I, I'm, I'm newer to the North Mech area. And um, so I was learning and listening to people and talking about anything. my first meeting with Dennis DeCarrie, I said, OK, what are we doing for North Mech? What's on the bond? And that's before any of the projects were released or we were talking. It was my very first meeting. Uh, we met at, at Waterbean Coffee, if I remember correctly. And... He said, no, North Mecca will be on the bond. I said, "Okay, I want to make sure about about these four schools. He says, those are the four schools that are going to be on the bond. So um, I was really, really excited and really happy and um, wanted to make sure that, you know, North Mecca up here received what what they needed. And, and, And like Chair Dash, you said, and we've said several times, these three schools that are being replaced are beyond overdue, right? You know, we're rounding almost a hundred years old with several of them. And, you know, we've done all of the things that we can do to fix them. They can no longer be fixed. And so I'm very, very excited. And whenever I am asked about, I'm like, yeah, we got four schools coming up here and I actually caught four and a half because we're actually getting an IB program up here, which has been something that I have heard from the community is wanted and needed. And so JM Alexander, once the new middle school is built, JM Alexander will become a full IB program. And so we're gonna have a magnet program up here, which we have not had, and people have been asking for. So I'm also excited about that project as well. And also, that's where my children go to school. My children are at Blight's right now. So, um, and my son will definitely end up in the IB program, I think, so I'm very, very excited about that. At least, what is
0: the status of the 2017 bonds? I mean, are we are we about done with with those yeah, or what's the status on we're that we're
1: winding them up so we um, the county Uh, plans for us to spend about seven years to build out the schools. They distribute the funds over seven years. So a lot of people think when you pass a $2.5 billion bond, then the next day after the election, you get a check for $2.5 billion. And it doesn't work that way. So the county, um, they they release a certain amount at a time. And so even if you've got five years between the bonds, you usually spend about seven years building the buildings. So you start gradually, you ramp up, so in the middle of the bond cycle, you're, you're doing a ton of construction, and then it tapers back down. So we're on that tapering down, almost done with the 2017 bond, and it'll be tapering down when the 2023, if it passes, please voters, will be tapering back up. Um, that's the way, that's like the most efficient way to do things. That keeps the contractors um, going, and you don't have people stop and get out of work and disband their businesses. It just sort of keeps things flowing along at a steady a steady pace.
0: I, I don't recall my, how great it passed. I, I was thinking it was like close to 70% or more. Do you remember? It, it was yeah. in the
1: 70s. It was in the 70s. It passed pretty solidly. Yeah. Uh, question,
0: and, and again this is, we hope this isn't the case, but uh, what if a bond, what if this particular bond failed?
2: Mm.
1: Not good. We don't want to think about that. Not good. No, so the need will still be there. The um, It will be more expensive to address the need. Um, the county has ways to fund... Um, building schools other than bonds. It's just that bonds are the most um, cost efficient way to do it. It's almost like the lowest interest mortgage or the lowest interest credit card. Like you want to buy things on the lowest interest credit card, not the highest interest credit card. Um, So there are more expensive ways to finance building schools. And if it's desperate enough, Mm -hmm. they'll do that. But it'll cost us more and we won't get as much bang for the buck.
0: Eight four four studio four. If if you wanted to call in, um, I don't think this bond is really acquiring any land. I think this is already building on existing land. Uh, how, what do we do in terms of planning for the future? Do do our towns? Do our developers? Is the business community? Who's responsible for really making sure that we have the land to build future schools?
1: That's a really good question. And of course, as a school district, we don't we don't approve the permits and we don't do the zoning that's up to the towns and the municipalities and then we don't control the the rate of the funding that's up to the county so you do kind of get this impasse sometimes where the different bodies of government are not working together as strategically as we could um however i mean we do know there's what is it 115 people a day moving to mecklenburg county uh-huh. and you got you got to make room for all those people to live live and work so we have to be very strategic on our side to use that precious land as efficiently as we can. And so we've changed as time goes by, we change the way our schools look. We're doing more multi-story schools now. Um, There will come a time where some of our high schools, like we may need to start building middle schools on a high school campus, and then the high schools may start using regional athletic facilities years down the road. This is nowhere near, but when you think 10, 20, 30 years down the road, we're starting to envision models like that.
0: Dr. Hill, uh, she just talked about the growth, and, and I talked about the change of CMS over the my tenure of almost 30 years here. When I moved here in 1996, the the community of Huntersville, we were probably right at under 10,000 people. Uh, Today we're approaching 70,000 people. That's just in the one town of Huntersville. Tremendous growth throughout North Mecklenburg that we're seeing. Um, A question I have and and a big concern I've had is during the COVID years, uh, going back to 2020 and 2021, when we didn't have, activities going on at school. Mm -hmm. It was at-home learning. Mm -hmm. Um, The concern I have is, is that certainly for me, and we'll talk about this when we come back from the break, but the concern for me was when I was 13, 14 15 16 17 18 those were very formative years where a lot of social interaction took place and it took place around the schools I mean you you know you had a lot of school activities and you went to school and saw your friends and then you maybe aligned your dates and then you went out to all your activities and we didn't do that with the kids they didn't they didn't have their proms uh, they didn't have things they went to they didn't have the interaction at schools and I'm really concerned of what we're going to find, not this year, next year, or the year after, but how's that impacting those kids that are coming out of the schools and how it's going to impact them 10 years or 20 years from now Mm -hmm. by what what happened with with COVID. I want to get into a little bit of that. I want to see if y'all have answers for that, along with your favorite subjects uh, when we come back on Town Talk right here on Town Talk WSIC. Please stay with us. I can't even imagine, uh, again, you know, I I think about 17 and 18 going to junior, senior, Mm -hmm. um, going to the, to, to the dances and all the things that, you know, you, you went to school and you lined up, lined up your, what you're going to do Saturday night or Friday night. And those kids couldn't do that. You didn't have football games Mm -hmm. to go to. You didn't have any of that. But I want to talk about that when we get back, uh, on our, on our, from our break, um, I want to remind people that tomorrow night, the Chamber of Commerce is having its business after hours. We'll be at United Community Bank. That's Thursday, uh, the uh, 28th. It's going to be 530 to 7, United Community Bank, right here in Cornelius. So it's a chance for businesses to come out and network. Please encourage you to do so. Uh, if you're not a member of the Chamber, come out and see what we do. Uh, do you have a chance to get to any of the networking events, maybe the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance or the Charlotte Chamber, the old Charlotte Chamber, has any activities that you go to like that networking
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's just so important to be out in the community and connecting with our partners. And, um, you know, it, it's we're a stronger school system for mm-hmm. being um, in tune with our partners.
2: I mean, just me learning the you know, even more learning the area. Um, you know, as, as Joe Dashu knows, my favorite stop is Davidson Farmers Market on Saturday mornings. And I'm out there talking to people and, and meeting sure. people and, and just, you know, Showing you know, showing my face and having these discussions. I've had some great discussions, just walking up and down the farmers market, and so that's um, one of my favorite things to do on a Saturday. And uh, you know, as I as I find out more about these different networking, I I look forward to meeting more people and getting out there and. and you know, networking with everybody. Well, Melissa. we have a lot of
0: networking events at the Chamber of Commerce. And, and again, I encourage you to get an opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, please come on out.
1: I was going to say, Melissa makes friends everywhere she goes. <laughs> yeah, she
0: does. Uh, the other thing that uh, we are having tomorrow is we're having a reception at the Chamber at 430 for our Junior Leadership Lake Norman. Uh, and Crystal, I don't know how much you know about that, but we have a Leadership Lake Norman. It's been going on for uh, since 1997, an adult program. And then we created about 10 years ago. I think this is the 12th class now of Junior Leadership League, Norman, which is a chance for them to go out and they, they learn about health care. They go to the atrium in Novant. They, they find out about their um, town halls and the governance. They find out the history, go to Davidson College, economic development. They'll tour Southwire. So it exposes these students. We've, we've got students from uh, Huff High School participating. We've, got, uh, we've had students in the past from Hopewell High School but uh, great program. All right, we're going back. The, those of you who are streaming live, uh, we're going back to uh, on the radio in just a minute. But uh, thank you for streaming with us. Well, welcome back to Town Talk. I'm Bill Russell. I have Elise Dashew, she's the chair of CMS. We have uh, Melissa Easley. She's our District 1 representative. And Dr. Crystal Hill, she's our new superintendent. And Dennis LaCaria, who's sitting in the corner, going to correct any of us if we get it wrong. Uh, Dennis is the guy that's got all the numbers. I have now heard him do a presentation for the Chamber's board and also when there was a YouTube presentation that we have. Uh, and, and he is a wealth of information. So thank you for joining us, Dennis. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the impacts of COVID and uh, how it might impact uh, the, the generation of kids that came through a couple of years ago. What are your thoughts on, on what happened with, with COVID and at-home learning?
1: I mean, it was a global pandemic. It was it was history. We lived through history. We sur- those those of us who survived it survived history. And so I try to look at it through a historic lens, kind of like um, I look at the Greatest Generation that went through the Great Depression. They went through World War II. I think that's what this generation is. And so um, these students are incredibly resilient. They know that if they could get through that, they can get through anything. Um, and yes, socially it was, um, it was devastating for the kids, but for adults too. I mean, I think adults are still trying to learn how to get along well again and how to be civil with each other. And little by little, we're kind of getting back to normal, but it's not just the kids. It had a huge impact on the psychology of the adults too.
0: Dr. Hill, you were the chief of staff at the time, right? For, during that period of time, um, how did it impact the teachers because it wasn't just the students they were impacted how did it impact the teachers
3: yes it was extremely difficult i was actually in cabarrus county schools at the time during um, during the COVID time but extremely difficult because of course our teachers had to teach and then they were also responsible for their children at home so they had to do their job while also caring for their children at home and so the planning um, all the wonderful things that teachers do in terms of collaboration of course became extremely difficult so they had to just be extremely creative and trying to figure out
0: how to do that. And you were, were you a teacher at the I time? I was
2: teaching NCMS CMS at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you were a science teacher. I right. was. I was science and social studies. I was teaching eighth grade at the time. And uh, my master's degree is in online teaching and learning. So honestly, when the pandemic hit, and we went virtual. My class didn't miss a beat. <laughs> we just kept going because I had all the virtual things set up um, already. And then we've been doing during the classroom. So, uh, But it was definitely a different take. You know, I miss seeing my kids every day. I, um, I love creating those connections with them. And so even just seeing them on zoom, um, but we, we kept going and honestly, you know, as chair dash and, and, and I had my kids at home, my kids were, um, I had one that hadn't started school yet and one that was in first grade. So I was trying to help my first grader and trying to, you know, handle my younger one and teach at the same time. And, they became part of my lesson like we just we went with the flow and we had a good time. And, you know, I offered extra credit one day and we watched Hamilton and, you know, we, we got creative. Um, my kids were young once again, and we used to do um, online board games. So them and their friend would have the same board game and they would play with each other, but they would move the pieces on their own. So, um, and we watched movies and we got, we got real creative on how to enjoy each other's company without being in person. So it took a lot of creative and a lot of extra work, but, um, you know, we all made through and my daughter's doing well now. And my son is, is kicking off, you know, he had uh, kindergarten was virtual, but first grade was ready to go. And they both love school and we're, as Cho as said, we're all getting back into society still and, you know, learning how to, how to. Be everyday people again, and to me, it's great because I love and I love that conversation. I love talking to people and getting out there and seeing what things what, what are going on in the community. So I'm really happy that things are starting to you know really open up again and be back to pre-pandemic times.
0: We we throw a lot around a lot of terms that some people may not have their hands around, and and you mentioned a while ago IB. You talked about mm-hmm. the IB school, um, magnet schools. Uh, what's the difference between an IB and a magnet, or is the same?
1: Um, I'm going to let Dr. Hill speak
3: to that. Sure. So IB is one of our magnet programs, but IB stands for International Baccalaureate School. Mm -hmm. And it's actually an extremely uh, prestigious program. Um, It focuses on critical thinking, um, approaching very complex problems through an international mindset. Um, I love IB because it has a great balance between academics, but then also um, the arts and things like that. Heavy emphasis on world language. And those that graduate with an IB diploma, it is the most prestigious diploma you can graduate
0: with. So IB is a component of a magnet school. Are Are there challenges or limitations to a magnet school?
3: Yes. So uh, to implement IB, for example, it's extremely expensive because of the training, um, the materials that are required. It's just very expensive. And you also have to um, you can't just say, I want to be an IB school. You're accredited through um, the IB program. So that is extremely expensive. And of course, you have to recoup those costs whenever you have new staff that come on, new leadership, things like that. Um, But the benefits definitely outweigh um, the challenges. And one of the things that we really want to do um, that will, will be supported with this bond is really take a look at our most popular magnet programs and make sure that there's access in all areas of the county so we're not putting the stressors on families and our transportation system by transferring students across the county. Instead, selecting our most popular programs and making sure that there's equitable access in different
0: parts of town. And we have our science teacher here, so maybe this is one that you're gonna field. Uh, STEM education, what does a STEM education classroom look like?
2: Oh, man. well, in, in a perfect world, you'd have that open classroom idea where you've got different things going on. You've got um, areas that have technology. You've got areas that have art, science, and math, and you're kind of you know putting them all together. Um, one of the schools I taught at was a STEM school. It was one of our magnet programs, and it was a STEM magnet, um, and we had all sorts of fun technology um robots so they could build robots and they could do um they could go into our library media center and they could do 3d printing and they could um you know make circuits and all sorts of things um actually one of our schools um won an award because they there was a a child in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and she they needed a way to carry her oxygen on the wheelchair and there was no way to do that and so our sixth graders worked through problem solving to come up with a brand new wheelchair device so that they could hold her oxygen and some other things. And they they did it, they made it, it and they put incredible. it on. And it was it was incredible to watch. And and these were 12, 13, 14-year-olds that just came up with this idea that they wanted to help. And so a STEM education is not just the books and the learning. It's applying that to real-life situations. And that was something that I was always really big on and hands-on when I was in this classroom um Novant Health had a, their pathology department allowed teachers to bring in organs. And so I would go and pick up a box of organs and during our health and science unit in our human body, we could actually pick up a brain and see what that looked like. And we held a heart and all of those things. And it was those experiences that really bring in the STEM education um, into the real world and, and, and open the eyes of kids that maybe they've not experienced that you know i can i can honestly say that many very few kids have held a human heart in their hand Mm -hmm. um i have a picture with me in a human brain like you know i think i think those are the experiences that we really want to bring to kids through our magnets and through our stem education and all those things
0: and remind people what stem actually stands for
2: science technology engineering and math there you go Um, steam has the art aspect of it
0: there you go um I I saw a term recently with Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools that I was unfamiliar with, express bus stops. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what is express bus stops?
1: So that is um, for, so, you know, we've got a lot of magnets in CMS and we have a lot of buses in CMS. We are one of the largest bus fleets in the nation. Um, For whatever reason, our kids need a lot of buses and we have a lot of bus stops. Um, And so there is a bus driver shortage right now we're having a real hard time. And this again, this is all over the country. It's not just us um, hiring, convincing enough people to do this job of driving a bus, getting all the proper licensure that you have to do to drive a bus um, for what we can afford to pay. Um, And so we have had to figure out ways to get more efficient with um, basically not need as many buses. And so one of the ways to do that is to have these express stops where um, students, um, instead of having the bus that comes right to your door, um, you you go a ways away from, you you kind of have a central place where students gather and the bus picks them up there. So it's not ideal. My kids did that actually years ago during the recession. Um, It was, it's a little bit better now the way we the way we've worked out the model but it's still not ideal you like it's much when you're used to the convenience of the bus coming right to your door it's um, it's really hard to adjust um, but this is just something we've had to do if we didn't do this we'd be down what two or three hundred bus drivers and God only knows how many our counties would be running um,
2: Wake County is doing an A day B day bus route So you get a bus one day, you don't get the bus the next day, you get a bus the next day after that. So we're trying very, very hard to avoid doing something like that. Um, There's been other counties that had to cancel school because they don't have enough bus drivers. Um, Chicago is, is having this big issue right now as well. And so- Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, this is not just a Mecklenburg thing. This is a national shortage. And so we're really trying to do the best we can to our students to make sure that they get there safely, on time. And as efficient as possible.
0: I I had a ton of questions left. We've got less than a minute, um, and and I've, I haven't got to any uh, most of the things I really wanted to ask you. But I thank you for for being here today. Uh, a lot of people forget that uh, CMS is one of the largest employers. Mm-hmm. Eighteen thousand people, I think. About or, twenty twenty thousand twenty thousand. But uh, I want to thank all three of you for being here and I want to thank you for the commitment that you're that you have i, I tell people often we have one of the best public school systems in the country mm-hmm. uh, best charter school best private schools we have choice here and uh, I think that makes it outstanding and it makes a great business community a great place to work live and visit Bef- uh,
2: before I, we leave bill I do we, want to bring
0: out real quick we don't have time oh, five okay. seconds so we'll I was say Thursday <laughs> uh, if it's Wednesday afternoon you're on town talk come back and see us next week